Welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I have been promised a few sheep slash wool puns throughout the show, so hopefully we get a couple of those. <laughs> you were born in Wales, uh, but you came to the United States in 1975. Did you come straight to Anderson Valley, or were there any pit stops along the way? Oh, you know, I was in Sacramento quite a while. So straight to California. Yes. Sacramento, and then you thought, you know, what would be better than Sacramento is Anderson Valley, and you were obviously correct. Um, were you already into sheepdogs when you were in Wales, or is that something that you sort of developed and interested in once you got to California? Well, I'd, I knew what they were. I'd worked on sheep farms in North Wales. So, and is, I, so I'd seen many sheepdogs, you know, growing up. Is there a strong tradition in Wales of using sheepdogs on sheep farms? Well, apparently, when I was, you know, in my teens, there were three million people in Wales and nine million sheep. Wow. So, yes. Yes, lots of dogs. Maybe three, three million dogs? Well. <laughs> every every yes. family had a dog? Yes, I mean, you had to, you, they, they, you needed them, you know. Still do. Sure. Yeah. I know that back in the day, maybe in like the, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s in Anderson Valley, there were tens of thousands of sheep, maybe even hundreds of thousands of sheep. How many sheep and sheep farmers would you say there were in Anderson Valley in the 70s and how many are there now? Oh, um, maybe I'm just guessing, maybe 30, 30 or so back in the 70s. 30 ranchers? Yeah, maybe that. Uh -huh. Maybe three or four now. Th only three or four sheep ranchers? And well, that's what I know, yeah. At a sizable, you know, more yes. than, a, than a handful of sheep, maybe. Yes. Wow. Oh, interesting. I thought it would have been... I knew it would be reduced. Um, wine has certainly got a strong foothold in what I imagine used to be ranches. But that's that's quite a small number, especially considering we have our very own sheepdog trials in Anderson Valley, which we are going to talk about uh, later well, in the show. But I don't want to get distracted. What happened was that President Nixon outlawed strychnine for very good reasons. And up until that point, the sheep ranchers had been using strychnine to kill coyotes that would come into the valley wow so once that was outlawed the coyotes got a foothold here and now now they're everywhere you know they couldn't find another way to sort of coexist with coyotes that wasn't strychnine based well, now people have guard dogs sure i have a guard dog yeah and if i didn't have a guard dog and he lives with the sheep 24 7 i, I wouldn't have any sheep left did the guard dogs and the sheep dogs get along? No, not not particularly. Why is that? Well, the, the guard dog is to guard the sheep, and the sheep dog is to herd the sheep. And actually, most of these border collies, if left to their own devices, they they do more than herd the they sheep. They bully the sheep a little bit. Well, how about kill the sheep, even? Kill for sport or kill to eat them? Well, for sport, because when they're herding sheep, they're, they're bringing them to the 
handler, who's like the alpha male, they say, uh-huh. as was would happen in a in a um, in the wild, you know, in a wolf pack. Sure. And actually, a lot of times they say if you get a well-bred border collie, and you say you're in your pen with the sheep, and you've got to grab one sheep to examine it for some reason, a lot of times your dog will be right there with you. Grab when you grab that sheep, it'll be grabbing the sheep too. Oh, it thinks you're doing it together. Yes, thinks you're going in for the going in for the kill. When that is obviously contrary to what the guard dog is there for. Yeah, the guard dogs. I don't understand. There to protect. I don't understand them because I think nearly every breed of dog would chase sheep. You know, if it came across them someplace and the sheep ran, the dog would run after them. Seems to me. But not these big no, guard dogs. No, these great big guard dogs, they, they, they don't have that instinct, which is almost the opposite, you know, of most dogs. They have, you know, big dog energy. They don't have anything to prove. They're already bigger than everybody well, else. Yes, but it's just amazing that they were bred, you know, they had that instinct some dogs years ago, and people, you know, bred them to do that. I've heard that llamas have been used as guard animals as yes, well. Yes, llamas can be good, they... They might eat trees, you know, if you've got some sort of trees that you didn't want eaten. Maybe a llama might damage them. Also, donkeys are supposed to be good. But I think with the llama and the donkey, you only need to have one with your flock. If you have two, you know, two's company, they may just walk to the other (laughs) side of the ranch, who knows, but... If they're on their own, you know, they, they do... They pay closer attention. The, ...stick with the flock. Interesting. Okay. Well, your flock consists of about 80 Targhee sheep. Did I pronounce that right? Targhee? Yes. It's T-A-R-G-H-E-E for anyone interested. Uh, Targhee sheep are known for their fine wool. What is... Are Targhee sheep the predominant breed in Anderson Valley? Or how did you start raising that particular kind of sheep? Well, those are the sheep that I bought when I bought some sheep in 1978 from a local rancher in Yorkville. And he'd gone to to Montana, I think, where the Targhee National Forest is. It's, there, it's either in there or Wyoming, somewhere up there. And the sheep, the breed of the sheep's named after the National Forest, but it was developed by the U.S., agricultural department and they were trying to breed a sheep with fine wool and producing a good carcass a good meat carcass for the western states where it's a lot of dry weather you know Mm -hmm. so that they were developed in the 50s so your flock is descended from the first sheep you bought in the 70s well, I bought a number of sheep in the 70s, and, you know, I've added, sometimes I've added other ranchers' sheep from time to time. But mostly, I would say it would, was Targhee. Mm-hmm. And would you say that is the predominant breed in this area? Well, I wouldn't say that. There were Targhees, and there were Columbias. Sam Prather, who has sheep right by the grain tune in Philo, he has Columbias. And then there were a lot of Corridales, too. Which is the nicest breed? 
Well, they're all pretty similar, you know. All white-faced, fine-walled. So I wouldn't know. The Columbia is a little taller mm -hmm. than the Targi or the or the Corridale. But and what do you do with your sheep? What do you do with the? Do you shear them and sell their wool? Do you harvest them for meat sales? Well, you sell the lambs usually at the uh -huh. auction, for, and they're sold for meat. And you sell the wool. Yes, they're sheared once a year, and then you, the wool goes off to some woolen mill. Do you? I know that Ukiah pretty recently started its own wool mill. Have you, you know, sold any wool to them or seen any of their output? Years ago, I did. I, they they bought some of the, my wool. I think that's pretty cool to be able to, you know, raise an animal in county and then have its wool processed in county. And I know there are some people that are then turning that wool into products that can be bought in county. So that's as local as you can get, really. Yes, but the last time I sold wool, it went to Utah, to mm. a big woolen mill out there. And I've also sold some to a, a woolen mill in Roswell, New Mexico. Do you ever sell the whole hides? No, not usually. It's kind of a hassle to, to process those, huh? Yes. And, you know, you've got to have the animal slaughtered, obviously, to do right. that. Too. Right, Usually I sell live animals, you know, with the hides on them. <laughs> that is the, the preferred way to sell a live yeah. animal, with its hide intact. What auctions do you go to? How, how close, what's your closest auction? Petaluma is the nearest auction. Mm-hmm. There used to be one in Ukiah in the 70s. but Maybe it went on through the... I think it actually did, yes, but it went all the way through maybe to the 90s, early 90s. But, but it's not happening anymore. Petaluma's still relatively close. You don't have to drive to, you know, back over to Montana. Yeah. Dixon is a, apparently a big auction. Which Dixon is, over by Davis, right? Yes, mm -hmm. apparently they get a lot of sheep there. Well, I specifically am interested in your vast knowledge on sheepdogs and also sheepdog trials. Um, as hopefully most of our listeners know, Mendocino County hosts its very own sheepdog trials in September, right down the road from here at the Mendocino County Fairgrounds. And that was one of my first, not first, I'd been in the county for a few months by the time I went to my first sheepdog trial, but it is my absolute favorite event of the year in Mendocino County, which is saying a lot because I'm an event planner, so... Sorry, all those other events, but you really just can't hold a flame to the sheepdog trials. There's something so magical about them. Um, well, I've got yeah. to agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's it's my it's a great day for me usually. So, can you tell me just about your involvement with that specific event? You know, how long you've been doing it? If you typically enter dogs there, I know you told me before the show that sometimes you have actually. Um, called the the trials for KZYX. Yes, I've actually done that, I think, the last three years. And one year, I had somebody come up from the city and they videoed the whole trial. And then that is now on YouTube. Oh, okay. 
So we have, I think for the first time ever, there's a whole trial, you know, that's uh, been videoed and it has my commentary from the radio station on each run. That's cool. Yeah, we were talking about how it's kind of hard if you're listening on the radio to, <laughs> yes. to imagine what's what's happening. It is, it is. But it's just such a a unique and interesting shared spectator sport because you're in this stadium that typically you would imagine and they do have rodeos there and you're sitting with hundreds of other people and it's just dead silent as you're watching these sheepdogs, you know, be put through the paces basically by their handlers. So what's it like as a, as a sheepdog trainer to be out there doing that with your, with a dog? Well, it's not dead silence. It's silence until usually an obstacle has been completed. And then everyone erupts in cheers. And then everybody. Erupts. Sometimes prematurely. Yes, that happened to me at the shoot, which is right in front of the stand. I don't know. I think the dog was best, but it was many years ago. And I had the sheep going through the shoot, through the narrow part of the shoot, and the audience erupted. And the sheep backed out of the shoot. They got startled. It is too much noise. It is startling, And and I didn't get them through. Oh, and you didn't get a do-over. Well, I mean, I tried, you know. But you didn't, didn't it wasn't considered, like, interference that wasn't your fault. No, you can't. No, I mean, I don't think. Well, no, there isn't a rule about right. that. Right. The audience is part of it. You have to navigate audience yes, it, noise as well. It would be best if the audience didn't applaud until the obstacle is completed. Fully completed. Yes. Yeah. So, take note, listeners. Yes, please. <laughs> you know, I'd like to mention that that video that I just mentioned. Sure. It's on YouTube. Uh-huh. If you go to Redwood Empire Sheepdog Championship... 2019 it'll pop up it'll pop up i'm gonna watch it an hour long so So, and and it's it's it explains i'm explaining the rules to what to look for that's a good primer before yes it is a Uh good primer indeed yeah interesting okay thanks for the tip i do often have questions about the rules um for those of you listening who maybe haven't been to a sheepdog trial my i will give you my very basic understanding and then kevin can correct me or elaborate basically you have a handler um who has a dog and there are is it three sheep at a time three sheep at a time are released um from one part of the course and then there are several obstacles that the dog has to guide the sheep through and it's timed and that's i mean it's so interesting at it it seems so basic but it's not it's really it seems um i mean as an audience member it seems not easy but i'm sure it's even more complicated than we realize so well i think some handlers and dogs make it look easy. Sure. Yeah, when they have that and really good relationship. Do, really. Yeah, just make it look like you're just a walk in the park. How do you get to the point where it looks like a walk in the park? What is the sort of training regiment for a sheepdog trial? A sheepdog, getting them ready to to not only participate in trials, but these are working dogs. Well, I read someplace that if you're a novice, it might take you up to two years of working with the dog and sheep 
to get them trained the way you'd like. Mm-hmm. And if you're experienced, maybe you could get there in eight months. At what age do you start training a dog? They recommend about nine months. Nine months. Yeah. You don't want to take them out too soon. They have to be able to outrun the sheep. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to really take them out when they're small, you know. And how much of a role do older, experienced sheep dogs play in helping to train those new sheep dogs? Well, I used to say, no, they don't. But actually, you might have some sheep out in the field, and you might have an older dog on the outskirts, shall we say, just there to make sure everything... They say if the, sheep, the young dog runs in and splits up the sheep, then maybe the old dog will be there to bring the sheep back, you know. And also sometimes maybe you have an old dog running around the sheep and the young dog might decide to go and play with the old dog as it runs around the sheep. And, and at some point it might get turned on, the, the young dog, you know. They... That's the term they use, is getting turned onto the sheep. Uh-huh. You can take them to the sheep ten times and they won't look at them. You'll take them the, the, the 11th time and they start to work them. So it's not instant for every young dog. Sure. How, what are the qualities of a good sheepdog? How do you choose from, you know, a litter of puppies, or are you choosing it based on, you know, that dog's, you know, parentage, or how do you choose a sheepdog to train a puppy? Well, parentage is huge, yeah. Try and get one from, out of a good working sheepdog. So, would you say most working sheepdogs then aren't fixed so that they can breed? Yeah, probably, you know, they're not automatically fixed, that's for sure. And how much could a, you know, sheepdog puppy of good parentage be sold for? Well, at what age? Oh, that's a good question. There was a dog sold last year in Wales. It won a nursery trial. So it was about a year old, I guess, or maybe a year and a half at the most. And they had this big nursery trial, and after the trial, the dogs were auctioned off. So so the nursery trial was sort of like a preview for the auction. Yes, right. Uh-huh. And it fetched $35,000. I'm sorry, what? $35,000? Yes. For a one-year-old dog? Fully trained. Fully? Yes. Okay. I mean, that's definitely worth something. And it must have been looked very good, too, you know, to had the right qualities. So. Wow. Yeah, a lot of it's in the dog. They say, you know, when you see in the dog and the handler, it could be, it could be 80% handler and 20% dog, or it could be 80% dog and 20% handler. So if you get a real good dog. Yes. But even, you know, it wouldn't know what to do without being told as much, you know. But ideally, they say you want to be about 50-50, you know. A true partnership. Yeah. 
I imagine that older dogs, trained dogs, don't get sold that often because once you've put in the time to train a dog and you've built that relationship, you're probably not that interested in in parting ways with your dog. Would you say that's true, or do people tend to train them and keep them for a couple years and then maybe sell them? And well, sometimes somebody will train a dog, and maybe it's just not the dog they wanted it to be. Mm. So maybe they'll sell it, you know, to somebody else. So that what can ab- happen? Also, you know, you can sell fully trained dogs, but usually they're probably under four years old. Uh huh. What about a dog that maybe has great characteristics and you think it's going to be a total champion and just never catches on? They just become beloved pets? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, they're no good to a, somebody who wants to herd sheep, are they? So. Would they be bred, though, even if maybe they weren't great, if they had great parentage? Well, that's a good point. Maybe. But, um, yes, it, it depends why they weren't trained. You know, if, if, if again, they were with somebody that was only, that was the 20% of that, you know, 100%, then maybe they couldn't bring that out in the dog. Mm. But usually the dogs have pedigrees. And, you know, you see in the pedigrees all of them. The good dogs that went before them. So it's not that common for a sheepdog to go through training and then ultimately be unsuccessful? No. I asked uh, this chap one time, he was putting on a clinic for started dogs, young young dogs, and I I asked him if any dog could be trained, you know? And he said to me, he thought a little bit about it, and he said to me, Depends how much your time's worth. Mm. So, you know, you don't want a dog that's going to take you forever to train. Yeah. At a certain point, you just have to accept that sunk cost. Yes, because you're probably (laughs) comparing it to some other dog that was more easily trained. So tell me about the dog or dogs that you have right now. Oh, they're black and white. Some more white than black. Um, what breed? Oh, they're border collies. They're border collies because yeah. I know it. Typically, they're border collies, but you can have sheepdogs that are other breeds as well. Yes, but not usually in the sheepdog trials. Interesting. Like Why Australian shepherds or kelpies. You don't see them in the trials. No, not usually. Hmm. Is that the a border temperament collie? Thing? Is supposedly the smartest dog in the world. I remember seeing the cover of National Geographic several years ago. There was a border collie on there, and an article about it, and I believe its handler lived in Austria, and she worked with this dog, and it could recognize about 200 different toys. Wow. The toys would be in one room, and then the handler would be in the other room with the dog. You could send that dog into the other room to get a, a specific toy. They're working so, dogs. I mean, they want that, that mental stimulation, and they, yeah, they need that physical exertion. That's why they get so neurotic if they're just 
kept yeah. his house pets. It's amazing, I think, that they could rem remember. I mean, I couldn't remember that many things. When I first came to Mendocino County and met my now husband, after a few years we wanted to get a dog together, and I was convinced I wanted a border collie. <laughs> And he knew that wasn't a good fit, and he did what he does so often to me, which is he slow-played me. Um, we ended up with a lab, and it turns out that I am a... I live a lab lifestyle, not a border collie lifestyle. So good good on you, Carson, for talking us out of that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> How no. many dogs do you have right now? I have three dogs. Three right dogs. And do they all compete? Do any of them compete right now? Well, just the one, the Meg is the one. I've Meg? Got. Yes. How old is Meg? Meg is seven. She's quite old. That's old I mean, for a for a working yeah, dog. Yeah, they got about ten years old in uh -huh. the trials. And it, do they work for about ten years? Yes, yes. And then they get to retire, and they usually start slowing down mm -hmm. about ten, you know. And then they're just kind of farm dogs, hang around. Yeah, well, you wouldn't expect them to do the work of, sure. a, of a young, younger dog. How do you know when it's time to retire a dog? Or do they kind of tell you that they're ready? Well, they um, they just slow down, you know. And all of a sudden you go, oh, that dog's not fast enough to get ahead of that sheep. Somebody else says, yeah, you're right there, Kevin. You but know, they slow down. But what if their mind hasn't slowed down? Do you have to like keep them from going out after the sheep, or? Yes, I mean you, you don't let border collies loose with sheep unattended. So they just—if you're driving out and they're trying to jump into the car—it's just no, no. You you stay. Well, home. they can come for a ride with you, can't they? But they just—they <laughs> gotta stay in the car. Yeah, you know. Well, they'll stay with you. You don't. But. It's, you know, and the heat, too. You know, some of these trials, are, it's 100 degrees, you know, mm -hmm. out there. And those dogs are running a lot, you know, because yeah. the sheep maybe are running, but the dogs are making these huge circles mm -hmm. around them. If you're just joining us, let me take a moment to reintroduce us. My name's Elizabeth Archer. This is the Farm and Garden Show. My guest today is Kevin Owens. Kevin has been in Yorkville and Anderson Valley for 40 years, raising sheep and raising and training sheep dogs. And we are going to take calls for the second half of the show. If you have a burning question about sheep dogs, sheep dog trials, sheep Anderson Valley in general. I think Kevin is probably a wealth of knowledge. Uh, give us a call, 707-895-2448. Again, that's 895-2448. And we will just keep chatting uh, until we get some calls. So you compete with Meg, and she's seven. How many competitions a year do you and Meg do? You know, we haven't, we've hardly done any recently. I've had some knee surgery and what have you. Uh-huh. So I'm not, I don't compete like I used to. Got it. You know, I've been doing it for 40 years. But I haven't done as much. Looks like we have a call. Hi, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, uh, yes. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. I have a couple of questions. Uh, well, actually, maybe, maybe uh, uh, are, can you, are you hear me okay? Yep. Okay, great. Um, one of them, I, I, I tuned in late. Uh, the sheep trials are going to happen at the fair this year? I believe so, yeah. Oh, great. I sure okay. hope so. Okay. And then, uh, uh, Kevin, what is going to be uh, your involvement? Or will you be participating or helping out with KZYX? Or? 
Oh, well, that's undecided, I guess, at this point. Okay. Well, I can Did say uh, just w our plan is to rebroadcast them again this year uh, live. But um, yeah. oh, okay. it's, it's a long time between here and that. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, re I really enjoyed that. I got uh, a lot out of it, too. I learned a lot. I yeah. think I'd, I'd rather be competing, but um, we'll see, you know. Okay. We'll, we'll see how I do. And, and also there are eliminations for the fair. Okay. There's usually maybe 25 dogs running the eliminations about a month before the fair. Okay. And the top eight are the only ones that come back for the fair. Yeah, okay. So you have to make the cut, too. I didn't know yeah. that. Only eight compete, huh? Interesting. Yeah, and then I had another question regarding, I've, I've heard that you've had trouble counting your sheep. If you could uh, please repeat your experience there. Trouble counting your sheep? Well, yeah, I don't know if it's old age or what, but it seems every time I try and count my sheep, I fall asleep. <laughs> oh, we rock, walked right into that one. <laughs> Thank you, caller, for the call. So at these sheepdog trials, I mean, there are sheepdog all around the world. There are sheepdog trials all over. But we in Northern California have a specific sheepdog style, right? So typically, the, the style at most of these competitions is what's known as international style. Um, but here in Northern California, we do the Redwood Empire Sheepdog Association style, RESDA. Can you talk a little bit about why RESDA exists, why it, it sort of like was created for, for this area, and what's unique about it? It was, the club was formed in 1947 by Mendocino sheep ranchers. Nobody seems to know where they came up with the rules. Maybe they were speaking in Bootling. Well, maybe they were. I think there was a fellow... Um, old Wayne McJimsey's dad, he was up on the top of the Burger Ranch in Yorkville, about over 3,000 feet, looking for old woolies, and a big storm came in, thunder and lightning. It was a big lightning flash. It knocked him off his horse and knocked him out for a while. But when he woke up, he saw her etched into this big rock that he was next to. It was, it was the rules of the Res the sheepdog trials. How biblical. Now, whether that's true or not, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. So what are the rules of the Resda style for, for com competing? Well, mainly it's the obstacles are different than the drive-away or international style. We have two sets of panels that you have to negotiate first, and the panels themselves are maybe six feet long, and the distance between them is maybe six feet. And then off to the side, about six feet, the handler has to stand on a base. And the handler can't make any moves at all, no, no hand signals or... Anything like that. The dog has to do everything. Just calls or whistles, right? Yes, you, left and right, what have you. But you can't help in any way. Mm -hmm. And then there's a thing called a chute, which is basically four pieces of plywood. The mouth of the chute is 10 feet wide, and it narrows down to about 
16 or 18 inches. It's like a funnel, basically. It's a funnel, I mean, exactly. it is astonishing it is how narrow it gets. Yes, it's just wide enough for one sheep at a time. And that's the hardest obstacle on the course. And then the, the fourth obstacle is a pen, which is, I don't know, 6x6 six six or 8x8, eight eight, something like that. And the handler opens the gate, but then he, the handler has to stand there at the end of the gate, can't move. The dog has to put the sheep in the pen, and then once they're in, the handler can close the gate. And that's when the clock stops? Yes. Is there an amount of time... Let me rephrase, because I know there is. What is the amount of time you have to complete the obstacles? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. And honestly, it is an eternity. (laughs) And I'm sure it feels like an eternity when you're out there and if you're struggling with any particular obstacle. Yeah, well, we have a seven-minute warning, Mm -hmm. which the judge or the announcer will announce. And usually that comes when the person is standing at the chute. So you have three minutes at that point to Yes, and if, if you hear the seven-minute warning when you're still at the shoot, a lot of times you just say, well, I'm giving up on the shoot now. I'm going to go to the pan. Sure. Because the pan is actually worth 15 points, and the shoot is only worth 10 points. Interesting, even though the shoot seems so much harder. Yes, but I think the reason is, if it were the other way around, Maybe more handlers would run out of time mm. at the shoot. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they have it that way. Are there any points for style or? Oh, there used to be. I mean, a lot of people didn't like my style, let me tell you. Oh, yeah? I'm about to take five <laughs> points off Kevin right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there used to be style, but not some, not anymore. I haven't seen that in any trial. So it's just strictly if you complete the obstacles and then the amount of time it took you to complete them. Yes, but style, you know, a good working dog has good style. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like to you? Well, they're they're not racing around, you know, fairly calm at their work and they're staying out. Um, Being attentive to to the sheep, you know, not, not bustling them around. That's good style, you know. And what will disqualify a dog other than running out of time? Gripping. Gripping, like biting? Biting, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, that that's usually... Sometimes I'll say the first one's free, but I don't even know about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? Usually it's when a dog loses its temper. Yeah. Says I've had enough of this sheep. I'm going to get him. And that's what we don't want to see. You know? Sure. I can't relate to that at all as the mother of a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so you say that only eight dogs qualify to compete, but I think you said something like 25 or 30 will go to the qualifiers. How many trainers are sort of making this Northern California circuit of sheepdog trials, and how many sheepdog trials are there in this area throughout the year? Oh, probably 25, perhaps, handlers that compete in RASDA. Mm-hmm. And maybe 15 trials. Throughout the whole year? Or is yeah, there a season? Yes, it only goes from from April, middle of April, to 
the middle of October. Okay, so we're in it right now. We're in yes, the sheepdog trial yeah. season. You know, the most sheep are lambing in the winter anyway. And, right. You know, and originally this was all shepherds who were doing this back in 47. But I'm, I mention that because now there are very few shepherds. A lot of the handlers are not shepherds, the, you know, the sport people. How they have some sheep. I was going to say, where do you get the sheep to practice if you're not a shepherd? Well, you know, if you have a few acres, I mean, you can have a few sheep. Sort of a hobby. Yes, and a lot of that, plus there's a lot of that all over the world now. It's not just for shepherds anymore. Sure. Is there any money in it? Do you win money at these, or is it sort of more for prestige? Yes, for prestige. It's for prestige. I mean, there's a little bit of money. A little bit of money. Not enough to live off of. No. There should be. It's a lot of work. Well, we need our sponsors out there, everybody who's listening. Any deep-pocketed sponsors who love sheepdogs. We don't really have sponsors, you Mm -hmm. know, like a lot of sports do, you know. But I assume you have to pay to compete. Yes. You have, yeah. There's entry fees. And yes, you do. Then there's yeah. travel costs. and Yes. So you have to really love it. We used to have a trial here. We don't have it anymore. It was the wool growers picnic in Boonville. Mm-hmm. And I always used to think I was a winner. I was before I even went because it was invitational. So there was no entry fee. And... Everybody, every entrant got a sack, a 50-pound bag of dog food. Okay. Plus two tickets to the lamb barbecue. Oh. I mean, that, Everybody was a winner be. at that event. Yeah. <laughs> but all the others, you have to pay money to. Uh-huh. I know that there's a sheepdog trial down at the Hopland Rec Station, and that covers a ton of ground. So is that what would be considered international or drive-away style? Yes, yeah, it is. And they haven't had that for two or three years mm-hmm. now. Uh, they should have it if they're listening. Hello. Please Hannah Bird, are you listening? Can you yeah. can you put a plug in? I went to that several years ago, and it was interesting, but not nearly as interesting as the Resda style, because Resda is right in front of your face. Yes. And the drive-away style, I mean, they are like, over the hill, you need binoculars practically, and it takes a lot longer because there's so much more ground for for the dogs and sheep to cover. Yes, and um, things, you know, I've seen the sheep run off at that Hopland trial, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're out of sight. Right. And I didn't... Oh, I'm not going to say anything anymore <laughs> about that. But Resda is a more interesting spectator sport. It's more of a show. Yes. And it it professes to be a show, too. Sure. I know that a lot of people, especially people like me who don't live on farms, who haven't raised uh, livestock for a living, um, are worried often about the welfare of the sheep. Can you tell me a little bit about how the sheep are chosen to, to for these competitions, where they come from, how many trials per day you know a given sheep might participate in? And feel free to roll your eyes abundantly at that question. Well, they're pampered, obviously. Oh, are they? Oh, yes. How? How is the sheep pampered? 
Well, he usually got a good massage, you know, before they... No, Kevin, you're pulling my leg. Well. <laughs> they usually come from some ranch, you know, somebody... You have to, somebody has to supply the sheep. Right, of course. And they all have to be from the same flock. You can't have different... Why is that? Because they're... If they're from the same flock, they act all act the same. Okay. I once went to a trial in Vallejo. I got there and I said to the fellow, "So, who, whose sheep are they?" And he said, "Well, actually, they're they're from two different flocks." Mm. I thought, oh, really? And the fellow said, "Yeah, but it's going to be okay. We're going to use three sheep from this flock with two sheep from the other flock. They use five sheep." Each total. time, you know, uh -huh. yeah, total. And I said, okay. So they did that. I watched a few runs. And so they let the five sheep out, and the three sheep run to one end of the arena, and the other two from the other flock run to the other end of the arena. Extra hard for the dog. Yeah. Yeah, those was, sheep don't know each other. They don't want to hang out with each right. other. So that's why they have to be from the same flock. Have you ever had your sheep and uh, loaned your sheep or rented your sheep? I suppose to. Well, you, you, yes, when, sometimes when I'd have a trial, you know, I'd use my sheep. But th they've never used your herd, for instance, for the Mendocino County Fair no, trials? No, no. Um, no. Usually it's Gary Johnson's, who lives in Boonville, mm -hmm. or Sam Prather, who used to, have, used to be here in Philo with his sheep, or Stanley Johnson. A fellow I used to work for in Yorkville. For many years, they used his sheep. And how many times per day might a given sheep go through the paces? Oh, just once. Yeah. Just You're one and done if you're a sheep. Yeah, you, you have to have fresh sheep for each handler. Okay. So, that sounds like well, a fine yeah. life. Then they're um, munching unless, on hay, unless, probably. Unless sometimes you might have two different classes. You might have an open class. And a pro novice class for you. And then you would just start over for yes, the second class. Yes, then you would class. start over for the for the pro novice class. That seems very reasonable to me. Yeah, they're, they're pampered, as I said. My nerves have been soothed, Kevin. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes, no, they're, they're they're well looked after. Well, I just feel like I could talk about sheepdogs for a million years about this, um, but. <laughs> I'm wondering if you have any particular, like, funny or stressful stories from your storied career as a sheepdog trainer in trials. Anything come to mind about a particular moment or event that everything just went wrong or was comically bad? Well, too, too many to <laughs> talk about, let's just say... So a lot can go wrong. Things can happen. Like what? What are the most common things that can go wrong? Oh, you get a bad sheep. What does that look like? Just looks like all the good sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Until it starts being bad. You know? A bad sheep in good sheep's clothing. Exactly, yes. And You know, that's the look of the draw. You can't... That's, that's the way it's judged you know and so a bad sheep is that just like a stubborn yeah, sheep a or a very sheep. scared timid sheep well it could be stubborn it could be wanting to go off by itself not stick with the other two you know aren't those sheep generally black 
Well, yeah, the black they, sheep. They are. They are. But um, yeah, so that that happens, you know, a fair bit. And then I, I, I've heard of some trials where they used to vet the sheep, if that's the right term. They'd run the sheep in threes before the trial, maybe a day or two before someplace. And if any sheep was acting up, then they wouldn't take it to the competition. Mm -hmm. But they don't do that anymore. It's a lot of work. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So. What about a really good run? What does that feel like? How do you do? You know, no, ever when you walk out, that how it's just going to be a good one. Um. Well, uh, yeah, it's better. You know, you feel better. <laughs> you don't leave the arena with your tail between your legs. You know, if, just the sheep do. If you've had a good one, because they got hustled so hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and usually you go straight through the trial too. You know, you're only attempting the obstacles once. Mm -hmm. Just real smooth, clean. Yes. That's what you want. Some of the old timers used to call it bow peeping. You'd be walking along, and behind you there'd be three sheep walking along, and then the dog behind them. You're all going at the same pace, you know. Like in Babe, the movie. Well, yes, Babe, Babe was a good, good herder. What did Babe do to the sort of world of sheepdog trials? Was it well-received? Was it sort of scorned? It's a sweet movie, but if you don't know anything about sheepdog trials, you have nothing critical to, to say about it. Yeah, well, it wasn't a sheepdog, was it? So, no, it was a yeah. sheep, sheep pig. And I think there were three mice that used to chirp up and say things, too. I believe so. Pretty, I mean, they were pretty good. <laughs> but would you say that drew more attention to the sport? Did it increase its popularity? Well, I, I'm, I wouldn't know, you know, I mean, uh, uh, but I would imagine, yes, it probably made the sport more visible. Bigger crowds, maybe, that year? Well, just, yes, I mean, just, I mean, who knows? I mean, that was all over the world, wasn't it, that movie? Yeah, and then I think they made a second one, but the I don't, day I didn't see I don't think one. it was very good. Yeah, sheepdog trials, you know, for years have been a bit of an underground sport mm -hmm. for the last hundred years. It's, it's become more popular in the, definitely in the last 20 or 30 years, that's for sure. Well, that's an interesting um, transition because I wanted to ask you what you see as the future of sheepdogs and sheepdog trials, you know, especially as you mentioned there are fewer shepherds um, and large ranches and yet sheepdog trials have grown in popularity so do you think the sport has you know staying power do you think it will evolve or i think it's evolving all the time more and more people are finding out it's a great thing to do you know train a dog enter the competition it's something to do isn't it you know that's it's a pretty harmless, you know, activity. And it, it's rewarding if you got a good, if you can train a good dog, you know. Would you say it's a tight-knit community? Well, uh, 
I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm tr- Kevin's trying not to get in trouble right now, I think. <laughs> uh, we have a caller. You're off the hot seat with that one, Kevin. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Uh, hi, Kevin. This is Burton. Hi, Burton. Hey. And how's it going? Good. You're cracking me up. You know, it's like I always dug your, your, your dry sense of humor and your, your uh, you know, your being being around you, you know, and you always crack these dry jokes. And I, I was almost kind of wondering if maybe, you know, the sheep were helping you do this. You know, they were doing the writing for you. But uh, since you got into the popularity end of it, you know, there's this guy, Joe Lewis Wildman, who uh, passed away not so long ago. And he's like this, uh, this, uh, this really kind of left of center Democratic kind of guy. And very true to that cause, but like, and and such a thinker, and and he was like an older guy who got the computer right first first thing way way back. And I ran into him once at the at the sheepdog trials and was hanging out with him. And he said, you know, if if the sheep could talk, then this would be so much more popular because he <laughs> thought that that sheepdog trials had it all. It's it's like tense and it could go slow and it's exciting at times and you know uh, mysterious as to what's actually going to happen because it's, it's sort of like nine ball in that you know somebody could not be doing that great at one point but then they just hit that third and fourth one real fast which seems like it'll never happen and they're done and uh, I just I just you know when you got to the point of its popularity I just couldn't help but remember that conversation i had with joe because he just thought that it was the coolest thing to watch and be there for it live you always did really well when i was there i certainly enjoy them yeah it's pretty obvious and i think that the fair eight eight handlers is is a great amount to watch you can go to some of these driveway trials and they'll have 60 dogs running from 8 a.m to 7 p.m it's hard to watch 60 dogs, you know? No, no. That, the whole thing's over in like two and a half hours. You can watch all eight. And sometimes, I, I think I was there and there were only seven one time. Well, it could be, yeah. But no, I think it's over in less than that. Yeah, it's usually allotted two hours from 10 a.m. to noon. And it's usually over well before the parade. Yeah, then there's a parade and then a rodeo. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's, Full it's true. day it of fun. Start till 10, so it's over in two hours. And, and you know, you got to be patient to really dig it, but it sure is cool. And you, you really handled it well, too, uh, on either end. But I really like to watch you on the, out there because, hey, look, there's Kevin hanging out on the lawn, and this dog is doing it. Yes, well, it, it, it's, yeah, the dog, I mean, you got to have the dogs and what have you. Yeah, they're the stars, aren't they? Thank you for the call. Kevin, thank you so much for coming in today. I know that in addition to being a shepherd and a sheepdog trainer and computer, you are also a musician. Can you tell me a little bit about what you play, where you play? If people want to come shake your hand in person and jam out a little bit, will you be anywhere anytime soon? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing with the High Rollers. Okay. And that's the Boontling name for people from Yorkville. Mm-hmm. High Rollers. 
Um, we're going to be playing at the Anderson Valley Brewing Company on the 29th of April. That's coming right up. A week from tomorrow, uh-huh. 5 o'clock. What do you play? I play the guitar. Uh-huh. What's the what's your I style? I don't sing, but I do, do vocals. <laughs> you don't sing, but you do vocals. Yes, there's a difference. Okay. It's blues rock. Uh-huh. It'll be a five-piece or a six-piece. I'm not quite sure yet. How long have you been playing and guitar? Original songs. Half of them will be my original songs. Okay, cool. How long have you been playing guitar? Oh, since I was 12. Oh, so... A few Just years. About. I'm, I'm 26 now. So yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> oh, it looks like we have another caller. Let's let's squeeze them in. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hey. Hi, Kevin. I'm wondering, would you be um, amenable to possibly uh, training other people's dogs? I have a little dog that I think would just be great. What do you think about that? Well, possibly. I'd be willing to pay. Yeah, we would have to look at the dog and, you know, see, check it out, you know, first, first of all. How can people get a hold okay. of you? Don't give your number on air. Do you have an email? You know what, caller? You can email dj at kzyx.org. Put Farm and Garden in the show, and we will get your information to Kevin. Okay, we okay have yeah, time, and then so if I you leave me a number, I could get back to you, I guess. Well, I don't good. want anybody putting their numbers on the radio. No, but I'm saying is that that's... <laughs> I would, uh, that, I yeah, respond. in the email, yeah. Yeah. Put your number in the email. Kevin, Kevin and I have mutual friends, so I can get his number from other people that he knows. Perfect. And then I'll give you a call, Kevin. Wait a minute, I don't have any friends. What are you talking about? <laughs> You've got tons of friends. You're great, <laughs> Kevin. Everybody loves you. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks right, for thank the call. You. Well, maybe you just got a, a paying gig out of this yeah. out of this show. Now, did she say a thousand dollars an hour? <laughs> that seems very reasonable to me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's. I mean, I can't imagine how hard that work must be. And sheepdogs. I mean, these border collies have insane energy. To be able to keep up with them. You know, it's hard when you get a youngster. Uh-huh. That's when you really have to work at it. Because mm-hmm. they always want to run in and bite, and, uh, you know, and you have to teach them not to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest time is, is at the beginning, and then, uh, you know, it gets better. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like she had a young dog. Yes. Well, how much is stick and how much is carrot when you're training them? We're almost out of show, but that's just a question that occurred to well, me. Well, the great thing is there's no carrot. No carrot. No, a border collie loves to work. Once the, once you've got them working sheep, you never never have to ask them to work the sheep. You only have to tell them not to work the sheep. The work is the reward. They're the most willing workforce in the world. Wow. No, no treats or any of that. Their their treat is just being able to work. Just hard work. Well, they love it. And a good home. They love it. They love working the sheet, which is great, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, certainly great for sheepdog trainers. (laughs) Yeah. None of those uh, cuts down on the food bill, that's for sure. (laughs) 
Well, Kevin Owens, it has been such a pleasure having you. Maybe we will see you again in September at those sheepdog trials, whether you're competing or calling. Um, maybe we'll get you set up in a little booth where you can sign some autographs because it sounds like you have quite a few fans out there. Uh, well, hopefully I'll be a part of it somehow, yeah. We'll see. Well, I'll definitely see you there. And hopefully I'll see all of you out there as well. Um, this has been the Farm and Garden Show. My name is Elizabeth Archer. This hour flew by. Um, I'll be back in two weeks. It's going to be our, right now we're in the middle of our quiet drive. And starting on, I'm pretty sure it's May 1st is our loud drive. Um, probably not what it's called, but I'm new. I'm a new programmer. It's going to be my first live show um, asking you for money. So, you know, if you have some money to spend, hang on and uh, donate during my show so I can look really good. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back in two weeks. And until then, take care, y'all. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willitson Dukaya 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.